welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I'm going to continue this morning on a series that I started a few weeks ago. It was interrupted with... um, Father's Day last week, which we had a great Father's Day service, which was fantastic. I think this time last week, we had uh, minute to win it, kind of dads going crazy with picking out tissues and trying to stack golf balls, which was never going to happen. Do you ever think that? Like, there's no way they're going to get three balls on top of it. Never going to happen. And so we were doing that last week, but I want to continue the series that I started a few weeks ago called Forgotten God. And uh, Forgotten God is simply a series about rediscovering the power the purpose and the person of the Holy Spirit. And first week, we just looked at it as uh, it was more of an introduction. The second week, Pete got up here and preached about the theology of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the last time I spoke, it was about the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He comforts us. He guides us. He convicts us. Today, I want to speak to you about the fruit. Everyone say, fruit. Everyone say, fruit. Fruit of the Holy Spirit. At the back, fruit. Great. Fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Reading from verse 16 through to verse 25, it says this. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that they do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature, they're pretty obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before. Those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, don't you love the buts? The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. Smile at someone right now. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with The Spirit. What an incredible portion of Scripture. I love the book of Galatians. I really do. 
it says that if we live by the Spirit, we will overcome the flesh. In other words, the Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome the flesh and to stop us doing bad things. We looked at that two weeks ago. It stops us doing bad things. But here's the thing, as good as that is, we don't want the absence of bad things to define who we are. In other words, we don't want to be a group of people that are known for what we don't do. We don't smoke. We don't get drunk. I am tired of Christians being defined and known for what they don't do. I want to be a group of people that know for what we do do, not just what we don't do. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us not to do what we shouldn't do, but He also empowers us to do what we ought to do. People look at me and say, oh, you know, Tommy's a Bible, it's kind of, it's a little bit old fashioned. It's impossible to try and, you know, put that into practice today. It was all right for Paul some 2,000 years ago, but things are so complicated now. Can I tell you, nothing's changed. Sin is sin. The problems that Paul was facing are the very same problems. I mean, sexual immorality is not something new. Paul was dealing with it. Even when I said the word orgies, there was a bit of a snigger. It's not new. Group sex is not new. All these things. And Paul said, those that participate in them will not inherit the kingdom of God. But right up there with orgies is selfishness, gossip. You know, isn't it amazing that as Christians we have our, we're not allowed to do that, but it's okay to do this, when Paul lumps them all together. It's amazing in Romans chapter 1 that, that uh, Paul puts homosexuality and gossip together. It says they're both wrong. And sometimes we think, you know, we're so high and mighty because we'll have a go at the homosexuals and yet we'll be gossiping as if somehow we're better. Sin is sin. And that's why we've been given this third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, to enable us to overcome adversity, to not do what we shouldn't do, but also to do what we ought to do. And that's the great thing about what I'm sharing with you today. The Holy Spirit enables us to produce fruit. Everyone say fruit. Fruit, fruit of the Spirit is talking about our character. We're going to look at that today, our character. Fruit is to make us more like Christ, not more pompous, high and mighty. We don't want you to become more loving so you can say, I'm so loving. Now you're just a pain in the neck. I'm so full of joy. <laughs> no, you're a pain in the neck. The fruit of the Spirit is that we might become more like Christ. Because to know Him is to love Him. And so just by way of introduction, I believe that these nine fruits of the Spirit can be broken down into three categories. The first one is the upward focus. It's the God aspect of our Christian life. Love, joy, and peace. In actual fact, 
all of the eight other gifts can be summarised in this one, and that is love. And this word love is a supernatural God kind of love. It's the Greek word agape, and it means God's love. It's God's love that is patient, not your love, not my love. My love has limits, and so does yours. But God's love is unconditional, it has no limits. It's not based upon friendship, it's not based upon sexual attraction, it's God's love. And it's this kind of love and this type of joy and this type of peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Secondly, it's the outward focus, the man aspect of our Christian life, the, peace, uh, the patience, the kindness and the goodness. Patience is just simply long-suffering, courageous endurance without quitting. Oh, I'd love to see some of that in the church. Just people who keep on keeping on. Unfortunately, if you haven't seen a Christian for many years, the first thing you have to ask is, are you still going to church? It should be inevitable. Of course I am. Because the patience of God is at work in my life. Kindness and goodness. Goodness is simply love in action. If we could just be kind and good people, oh, what an attractive quality that would be. Imagine that, God's people just being kind and good instead of forever coming up with an excuse why they shouldn't give. I'm convinced of this, that if your family and friends that aren't Christians were just like you, they would love this church. The trouble is many of your family and friends don't like you because you're no different than them. There's nothing that stands out about you that says Christianity is making you a different person. And if we could just be likeable, oh my goodness, I reckon they'd love this church. But they'll never get to this church while they don't like you. And so what we do, we think, oh, I've got to evangelise and so we're unlikable. And then we preach the gospel to people that don't like us. And they can't hear a word we're saying because they don't like us. Because we're not kind and we're not gentle. Here's a revelation. Stop evangelizing and just be kinder. Just be nicer. Just be, just display some acts of goodness. You will not do an act of goodness and someone rebuke you for it. Isn't it amazing? If you do something good, they'll, say, they'll use language like, oh, you're such an angel. You don't do a, an act of kindness and someone say, oh, you're such a devil. Now, people associate goodness with godliness. Even unbelievers do. And so if we could just become more likable, I think we'd become more influential. And so these third three are about the outward focus. And the last three are about the inward focus. Faithfulness, a dependability. Are you going to be here next week? Are you? Humility, a power under control. We have this power, but we don't use it for our own good. It's the kind of power we see in Jesus when he was being tempted by the devil. The devil says, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus could have, but he didn't because he was humble. He had this power, but it was under control. And he was only going to use the power to further the kingdom of God, not show off. Humility and self-control. Oh my goodness. 
Wouldn't it be great if the people of God were just a little bit more self-controlled? Self-controlled simply means temperance and abstinence. It means the ability to say no. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a group of people that could actually have the courage and the confidence to say no? We'd get ourselves in a whole lot of less trouble. We'd cause a lot of less pain if we could just say no. That we could abstain from certain activities. I tell you, it'd be really exciting. This is what I've learned through studying the Word of God over many years, is that Christianity is not hard. It's quite simple. But we make it hard because we try and do it in our own strength. Because there's an aspect of the Godhead that we've forgotten. God the Father is in heaven. God the Son is seated in heaven at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. It's the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who is with us. And He's the one we ignore the most. And so the one who enables us to put the Word of God into practice is the one we ignore the most. That's what's behind the, or the heart behind this particular series, is that we would remember the person, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who enables us to put into practice what the Bible says we ought to do. And so some things about fruit that I think will be helpful and hopefully help us understand what I'm saying here this morning. The first thing about fruit is this. Fruit is grown, not made. Everyone say grown. In other words, fruit grows on trees. This apple looks fairly relaxed. I'll tell you why. Because it didn't try hard to be an apple. It didn't sit there and say, right, mm, you're laughing. And it thought, you know, it had a desire to be a red apple, not a green apple, not a golden delicious, but a royal gala. Apples aren't manufactured, they're not made. They grow on trees. In other words, they grow in connection with a life source. And while connected to the life source, it just grows. <laughs> You're looking at me like, I came for something deeper this morning. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it just, pop, just starts that big, just, just, ooh. Until it's ripe and it ready not that would describe many of your walk can't smoke I'm a Christian I can't smoke 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 I feel guilty. I feel like I shouldn't have done it. I'll never again, never again. I'll never do it. I'll never do it again. I can't smoke. I'll never do it again. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'll never smoke again. Never... 
sexual immorality. I can't, I can't sleep around. I can't sleep around. <laughs> ridiculous but you'll be surprised what can happen when you stay connected to the life source there's something so wonderful in an apple having the revelation I can't do anything to become an apple you're going to have to grow me and my commitment is staying connected to the life source If you think staying sexually pure in 2010 is impossible, you are absolutely correct. Well done. Christians are great at getting it right, but having no power to put it into practice. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the answer is staying connected to him. And we do that through the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And he empowers us. He gives us the wisdom, the perspective, the energy, the power to overcome. It's not that he always takes away desires, but he fills us with power to overcome. People say, what about the homosexuals? What are they to do with their urges? The very same thing that every red-blooded testosterone-filled young man who's single has to do with his urges. Put them to death. How do we do that? Through the power of God. How is it that you can stay married for a long period of time when there's so many other beautiful women or, or handsome men out there? The very same reason, by putting to death those desires. How? Through the power of God at work in you. It's not something you can do in your own strength. You can't manufacture it. And even if you do, let's say you have a great day and you manage not to do this or not to do that. You become a miserable person to be around. And while you may have gained victory in area, you're certainly not joyful in your victory. Have you ever met some reformed smokers that managed to quit out of just self-control? They're the worst kind of people you ever want to be around. If they're ever telling you, I used to smoke, you know, and now I didn't, I had this power. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I want to be around a group of people that are broken and say, God, has given me the power to overcome things I never thought possible. And he gets the glory. Sally, when she first came to us, many know her story. You know, we know about her going to jail. We know about this. We know about that. But we didn't know she was a smoker. She smoked cigarettes. And it's amazing. And this isn't everyone's testimony. But Sally just... By God's grace, lost the urge, lost the desire, supernaturally. That's not everyone's testimony, but it is hers. And I love it because she gives God the glory. Not, oh, I'm so good. Because I've been reading my Bible five times a day, I stopped smoking. 
if you started reading your Bible more, maybe you'd stop smoking. Maybe it'll cause you to smoke more. I don't know. You start getting into revelation, you might t- smoke more than cigarettes. Just like, oh my God. <laughs> just... In Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? In other words, who's put a spell on you? Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning in the Spirit, you are now trying to attain the goal by human effort? That's what happens with many people. After a period of time, they start trying to do it in their own strength. You know, when we first got saved, we were hungry. Look at these two young ones. They got saved two weeks ago. They uh, got baptized last week. They're here second row. It would break my heart if they're in the middle there, then at the back, and then out the door in four, five, six years. It doesn't have to be that way. But what happens, we start thinking, I I know how it goes. I don't need that anymore. I can do this in my own strength. And I say, you foolish people, who's put a spell on you that you think you can do this in your own strength? How arrogant to think you don't need the company and the fellowship of God's people. And I pray today the spell be broken off your life. Because it's witchcraft. This apple became an apple while it was connected to the tree. If at any stage it was disconnected from the tree, if someone came and picked it too soon, it would have been unripened. Simple, huh? Sorry to insult some of your intelligence today. Secondly, fruit grows only in certain conditions. Pineapples need a warm, humid environment. The fruit of the Spirit grows as we keep step with the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And keeping in step with the Spirit means this, don't run ahead. It means don't lag behind. It means keep in step. Keep in step. I want you to apologize. Don't lag behind, Apologize. Sorry, that's it. See, we're uncomfortable with this organic nature of God. We want 10 commandments. Tell me what I'm going to do, then I can just get on with my life. What am I allowed to do? What am I allowed to do? Okay, cool, got it. I'm off. No, it's not like that. It's like when you married your wife. Men, just because you said, I love you at the altar, doesn't mean that's it. You've got to keep saying, I love you. You've got to keep in step. I love you, honey. Next day. I love you, honey. It's not kind of like lagging behind. I told you 20 years ago when we got married, I loved you. (laughs) She expects a lot. (laughs) We keep in step by praying, reading, worshipping, praising him, meditating, fellowship. All these things uh, help us keep in step with him. And so certain fruit only grows in certain conditions. You can have all the desire in the world, but if you keep taking yourself out of certain environments, you'll never grow. You might be free to go to the nightclubs and, and do whatever it is that you want to do, 
and go to this thing and that thing and never go to church. You might be free to do that, but it's not going to help you. The third thing is that certain fruit only grows on certain trees. Guess what kind of tree or fruit an apple tree produces? Apples. It's not a trick question. It's like, bananas? No. How do we know it's an apple tree? It's fruit. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, it says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Can you imagine an apple tree with all these apples all over it? I'm not an apple tree. I'm not. I'm a a banana tree. No, no, no. I know you're an apple tree. Why? Because of the fruit. People should be able to know that we're Christians by our fruit. People say, man, I have treated you so bad at work and all you've done is continue to forgive me and love me. What is that? Oh, it's fruit. by the fruit that you'll know them. Fruit is measurable. Not everyone who says they're Christian are Christian. How do we know? Because of their fruit or lack of it. Most of Australia say, I'm a Christian. Church of England, I think. They put that on the census. Or Catholic. A non-practicing one. How can you be a non-practicing anything? Do you know how ridiculous that sounds to me? Tony, what do you do? I'm a non-practicing professional soccer player. Play for Manchester United. (laughs) Non-practicing. You would look at me and say, a non-practicing professional soccer player. What the heck is that? A non-practicing Christian. (laughs) Sounds like a non-Christian to me. (laughs) Not everyone who says they're doing well is doing are doing well. You can kid yourself. I'm doing, I'm, you know, we have people who are in ministry. They come out of ministry. Oh, I'm having a time of my life. Maybe you are because there's no pressure on you right now. But it doesn't mean you're in the best place of your life. Because the best place of your life doesn't equal comfort. And I have people trying to convince me that they're doing really well, better than ever before. And I say, really? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? In 125 AD... An Athenian philosopher wrote a defense for the Christian faith to the emperor Hadrian. And he said this, AD 125. 
He says, they do not commit adultery. This is about the Christians. He's, 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 he's amazed. He's intrigued. These people that call themselves Christians, they don't commit adultery. Or immorality. He says, their wives, O king, are as pure as virgins. There's some intrigue to this writing. Can you see that? It's like, it's like they're not like normal people. And their daughters are modest. Their men abstain from all unlawful sexual conduct, conduct and from impurity in the hopes of recompense that is to come in another world. They govern their lives, O king, in a manner and in a way I've never seen before. They talk about a hope to come. It intrigues me, O king. There's something I don't get about them, but there's something I like about them. O king. This is AD 125. Nothing is new under the sun. Sin is sin. And these Christians, these men and women, these daughters and sons were able to make an impact to the kings and queens of their day, to the emperors of their day. When the gladiatorial fights and arenas were at their most jam-packed, a Christian man jumped in the ring one day in protest to this craziness that was going on. I'd like to tell you that the heavens opened and chariot of fire came down. It just didn't. The young man that stepped into that arena that day got killed and the crowd went crazy. But it's what took place after that that's so amazing. At the death of this one man, sounds like someone else, doesn't it? At the death of this one man, the desire to see people killed in that form and that arena was gone. And that brought an end to the gladiator fighting. Because of one man willing to lay down his life for the sake of many. Who does that sound like? Does that sound like Jesus? Does your life sound like Jesus? He refused to give it the offering because he just wanted all his money for himself. Does that sound like Jesus? He refused to give because he got off on a technicality because he saw a scripture that wasn't in the Old Testament or the New Testament. I'm done with trying to be right. I'm not trying to convince anyone. I just got to stand before God. Fruit produces fruit, number four. In Genesis chapter one, verse 11, God says, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. You know, within this apple is all that's needed to make more apples. Fruit produces fruit. 
And love produces love. And joy produces joy. Have you ever been in a room with someone who's hysterically laughing? Honestly, it is very hard, even thinking about you, some of you are smiling just thinking about it. Even thinking about it brings a smile to your face. I've had many moments, and it's one of the things that's kept me sane. I look for every moment I can to laugh. We had some friends over. Sam's on the front row here. We had Sam and Tim over. Sam's loud, and she's Sam, and, and Tim's quite quiet and conservative, but together, funny couple, funny. And they were in our house one day, and we were talking about some puke stories. And we started talking about it, and I started, I started uh, talking about uh, a member of our church who's since gone and to be with the Lord, passed away a few years ago. And, and I said, I never forget the time when I was pretending to be sick, just making some sick noises. And I actually made him sick. He, he was that sensitive. And so here I am, I'm preaching a message on love in church. After church, I'm laughing and joking. And, I said, and he goes, no, stop doing that because I'll be sick if you keep doing that. I said, what? If I, if I go like, like that, you'll be sick. Really? So if I keep going, oh, oh. Anyway, with that, he ran out of church and threw up in the bush. Which is not good pastoring, I get it. But I was telling Sam and Tim, and it was so funny because we was all laughing at each other's laugh. Because I'm, I'm, I'm loud. I just get loud. When I'm laughing, when I've lost it, I'm a loud laugher. But then you get the silent laugh. <laughs> That's Tim. Tim. Da- like, what's he doing? He's just like Sam runs the toilet. She's about to throw up because she's quite sensitive to. That. I'm, oh, oh, she's running. It, joy produces joy. The flip side of that is misery produces misery. Miserable people always find themselves. They do, because they're miserable. Winders always find winders, but joyful people. We can be joy to people. Through our kindness, we can prompt other acts of kindness, because fruit produces fruit. And my last point today is that fruit is for nourishment. It's not to be admired It's not to sit in a bowl on display. It's not the purpose of fruit. Fruit is to be eaten. Got your mouth? No eating in the auditorium. Who loves a good apple? Well, this is a great apple. I threw it to you, honey, because I knew you could catch it. Sam, on the other hand. (laughs) 
Imagine listening to the MP3 of this. What the heck's going on? <laughs> Fruit is to be eaten. Can I just remind you that we live in a world that is starving for love. Starving for attention. Starving for your kindness and my kindness. They are starving. They are so hungry for it, they'll even join gangs because they want to belong to something. They would rather belong to a gang that rapes them on a daily basis than not to belong to anything. And we sit back and judge people because of the lifestyles that they adopt when in many cases, they just don't know any better. Well, we sit here getting fatter and fatter and fatter. The fruit of the Holy Spirit isn't just for us. It's for us to give away. It's not just that we have joy. It's that we have so much joy, we just can't contain it. It's not just love for us. It's that we have so much love, we just can't contain it. And we want to give it away and feed others. When you understand what I've shared today, it brings balance and perspective to everything we've ever asked of you. Be it connect groups, be it tithes and offerings, be it time, be it help, be it volunteering, whatever. Because this is not about us. This is about us having some 70, 80, 90, or if you're Irene Lang, 180 years. To grab a hold of the people in our world and make a difference. While we sit back as a church and criticize and blame and talk badly about and debate and argue silly little things, which at the end of the day don't really count for much. People are just slipping out of our grasp. I'm convinced that when people see Jesus, they're going to love him. But will they love him through seeing you? Will they love him through seeing me? That's, that's my challenge for me. Will people see Jesus and fall in love with him through my life? That's my challenge. And it's a challenge of the church. I don't want to be right. I just want to help people. You realize every week we come here, we are really about trying to restore a dream that God had for this planet. You go and read it for yourself. Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. God had an incredible plan and dream for humanity the first two chapters of Genesis is awesome there's unity there's fellowship there's marriage there's no sexual immorality 
There's stewardship. There's labour. All those things working as God intended it. And then everything got stuffed up because of the devil. Devil came and messed up God's dream. He tempted Adam, he tempted Eve, and they fell. It's known as original sin. And from then on, everything went downhill. Even the very earth is decaying as a result of that moment. If global warming is true, it's because of that moment. If it's a conspiracy theory, that's another thing. But every, every deformity at birth, every, every one of those questions that you say, I don't know the answer to, it goes back to that moment in time where the devil stuffed everything up. He messed with God's dream. Fast forward a few thousand years, a man enters the earth. His name is Jesus. He wants to restore that which was stolen. He wants to redeem that which was lost. Jesus came as a substitute to redeem your life and my life. In other words, He came to place value back on your life again. To redeem means to put the value back where it belongs. And that took place when Jesus Christ went upon the cross and He died as a substitute for us. And that led to this incredible thing, the restoration of mankind. That we could walk in what God intended us to walk in because of this man, Jesus. But not in our own strength, but because of this Incredible power at work in us. Jesus redeemed us. Jesus forgave us of our sins. And Jesus set us free. And He set us free for purpose. To tell the world about this incredible dream that God has. And in this fallen state, it will never be truly seen. But there is coming a day where Jesus will take to Himself all of those that received Him and accepted Him as Lord and Saviour. And God will restore His dream back again. If you look at the last two chapters in the Bible, they're almost identical to the first two chapters in the Bible because what God started, He will finish. It says there's coming a day where there'll be no weeping, no sorrow. Because of what Jesus ultimately achieved for us at Calvary some 2,000 years ago. As our musicians come, we've got to worship for a little bit. We've just got to thank God. We've just got to put aside our lunch for a moment. We've got to put aside the daily plans that we have for the rest of this day. And take this moment to thank God for what was achieved through Jesus. That you and I now, as blood-washed sons and daughters of the living God, we have this incredible opportunity to be Christ to family and friends that we come in contact with. Not through hard, persuasive or even wise words, but it starts with being likeable. Are you a likeable person or are you a pain in the neck? Are you miserable? 
Are you a gossiper? Are you an idolater? Are you a sexual immorality? They will not see Christ while we adopt these lifestyles. You say, I'm free, I'm going to heaven. It's not about you. It's about the radiant glory that comes off of us, that people could see Jesus. You might know what you know, but they don't. And so we adopt a lifestyle so that others could see and that others could know. Will you please stand with me? I mess up often. I'm not preaching sinless perfection here. I'm simply saying that there is one who can help us, who can empower us, who will forgive us, who will change us. You know the word repentance? Do you know what it means? It means change. As Pentecostal tongue-speaking Christians, we say, we want to see them come to Jesus. I want to see them change. I would love to see the man who's going to run out his wife change. Change his thinking, change his attitude and stay with her. And every time that happens, something of God's dream is being restored back to planet Earth. Every time someone stands and doesn't run away, Every time someone who's tempted to have sexual relations outside of marriage says no, something of God's dream is being restored to planet earth. Let's raise our hands. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you. Take my words this morning. Massage them into our hearts and lives. I'm done trying to be right. I just want your word to speak for itself. Holy Spirit, have your way as we worship you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take your rightful place in our lives. Let's sing, church. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.